Hey everyone, it is so good to have you back. Um, I have been AWOL for a couple of weeks now and I'm getting everything back on track. I am going to be posting three sermons in a row, starting with the first sermon of the sermon series, Jesus Says I Am. We're going to be exploring the scriptures in the Gospel of John where Jesus makes I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am, I am, I am. Today, we're talking about John 10 verses 11 through 8. I am the good shepherd. I hope that the this worship service, that this sermon speaks to you and speaks to your heart and that the sermon series also speaks to your heart. Uh, please follow along and um, and I hope that you are blessed by the scripture, by the message, and just by the day. Have a great one. Love you all. Bye.
Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious Shepherd, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Now, like I said before, today I am beginning a sermon series titled, Jesus Says I Am. In this series, we will be exploring the nature and the essence of Jesus the Christ as it is understood by the Johannine community, in other words, the community that John, the gospel writer, was writing to. In other words, these places in, go- in the gospels, um, these are the places in the gospels where Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, I am the light. They all come from the gospel of John. And the thing is, all people are looking for something to fulfill their lives, right? We're looking for someone to say, I am what you need. If one is a Jew, one likely looks for the Messiah sent by God as Savior of the world. To such a person, Jesus says, I am. If one comes from a background in Gentile culture, you're still looking for something as the fulfillment of life. 
In John, these universal human aspirations are pictured as bread and water, life, light, truth. In our own time, one might think of money or security or love or acceptance. All of these are symbols of what we are really looking for, often at a deeper level than our own awareness or our ability to articulate, right? So to all such human longings, Jewish and Gentile, religious and secular, the Johannine Jesus says, it's me, I'm it, I am. Today we're reflecting on the passage where Jesus claims to be the good shepherd. And most if not all of us are here because we have chosen to follow Jesus. Many here have joined this church or some other church. And so we have become members of Jesus' flock. We hear his voice. We see his face and we know that we are safe in his care. We are his. Amen? Amen. How lovely is that? How comforting is it to think of our God as a protective shepherd that, that stands between us and the wolves that try to destroy and scatter us? As I was contemplating this, mentor, this metaphor, as I was preparing this sermon, I actually slipped into... Um, a warm, cozy state of mind. The world has always been a scary place in which to live, and uh, these days are no different, right? People have always sought to destroy each other, while false prophets and false gods have made empty claims to keep people safe in body and in soul. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. They see the wolf coming and leave the sheep and run away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. The fact is, we end up putting our faith in the hired hand instead of the good shepherd, don't we? More often than not, that's how we operate. We depend on jobs and bank accounts, investments, government, Romantic relationships, believing the false promise that all of these things will take care of us, that they'll keep us safe, make our lives secure, and give our lives meaning. We stress and we worry if we don't have them in our lives, and we dwell on them, obsess about them, and toil to keep them going so that they in turn will keep us safe. But in the end, do they really save us? Not one of these has the power to willingly lay down its life for us and then pick it back up again. Not one. Not one of these can promise to be there for us no matter what. All of these, 
have the potential to leave us high and dry when the wolf draws near. So why do we put so much importance on romance, jobs, savings, politics, government, insurance, and so on? Well, I'd like to say it's because the false sense of security they offer makes us feel warm and snuggly and safe. That and almost every message in the world that the world throws at us assures us that these false idols, these hired hands, are what we need. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he is making a profound claim here that people who are not intimately familiar with the Old Testament might miss. When he tells the Jews that he is the good shepherd, he is saying that he is fulfilling Old Testament promises that God himself will come to shepherd his people. While shepherd is a univer- was a universal Gentile image, In the Bible and in Judaism, it was especially significant as a metaphor for God and the good leadership that God provides God's people. Just think of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Shepherd was also used for the kings of Israel, and it connotes the, both the power that commands obedience and personal devotion to the sheep. In one phrase, Jesus is telling the crowds that not only is he God's son, but he is, in fact, God. And there is no better person to follow than God made human. Amen. Now, I have a friend who struggles with feeling secure in her life. I'm sure you all know someone like that, if you are not like that yourself. She's in her 40s, and she's wrestling with the fact, with anxiety and depression, because she is not where she had planned to be at 40 years old. She thought that she and her husband would own a beautiful home, that they would have at least a year's worth of salary in their savings, that um, they would have even more invested, that they would have two solid pensions building up. Now, from my perspective, they're doing great. I'm looking at, at my friend and her husband and their life, and it looks amazing. They make way more money than me. They have way more money in the bank. They have way more money in savings than I will ever dream to have. They do have a large, beautiful home. Their three girls go to an amazing private school. She and her husband make impressive salaries, and they're able to go on really, really cool vacations every year. They do have savings and pension, like I said. And yet, it's still not enough to make her feel safe and secure. So she loses sleep at night, worrying. Her relationship with her husband suffers because they're always arguing about money. And they're not able to really and truly appreciate what they have for worrying about what they don't have. And you know what's really crazy? 
They're followers of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. But they have put their faith in the hired hand instead. Jesus goes on to say, I lay down my life for the sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. Since Jesus has already claimed to be God, this claim that he lays down his life for us also takes on a deeper meaning, don't you think? Jesus, as one with God, is not a third party who dies for human sin, but is God's own act for human salvation. People look at Christianity, and I hear people criticize, what kind of a God would kill his own son? Why can't God just save everybody? Why did Jesus have to suffer? The thing is, though, God didn't kill him. God laid down his life for us. The only injustice here is that we are sinners and that God was put in the position of doing that in the first place. It is only God himself who has the power to take back his life after he lays it down. So once again, in whom do we put our faith? Do we put our faith in Jesus, the good shepherd, or in all of the other things in life that tell us that they'll take care of us? Now, I've already cited things like romantic relationships and jobs and government, but we even put our faith in people like our pastors and mentors and parents. And yet all of those people are still human. And like the hired hand, can end up running away when the wolf finally arrives. Seriously, no matter how good a pastor or a preacher might be, no matter how amazing our parents are, no matter how strong our leaders may seem, we are all going to fail someone at some point. We can't help but mess up from time to time because we are not God. We're just sinners like everyone else. And there's no one and nothing else who can fulfill the promise to lead us, provide for us, and protect us like Jesus did, like Jesus does. He is our only good shepherd. I'm a hired hand. How many of you have actually met an honest-to-goodness real shepherd? Has anyone here actually met a real shepherd? Have you ever seen one driving down the road in some other country maybe, or out in the country here, standing out in their field, watching their flocks? Someone who spends his life standing in a field and watching over their sheep, if you haven't met one, 
about what their life might be. The fact is, the shepherd metaphor, which is so real and so common and so relevant to the people of Jesus' day, is kind of alien to us living in this modern-day United States. It's difficult to read this text and all of the other texts where Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd and truly understand how profound it was for him to give himself such a title. Well, in my ignorance, I had to turn to the one place that I thought I might find some answers. Google. And in my search, I found a website that told me about some recently discovered 100-year-old photos that clearly portray shepherds and their sheep in a region of the land of Israel within a few miles of Jerusalem and Bethlehem. These photos, with amazing clarity, depict the everyday life of the shepherd in the context of the land as it was in the early 1900s before the emergence of of the modern nation. The rare book from which these photos were discovered has an interesting foreword written in beautiful, picturesque language. So keep in mind it was written before 1925, and it goes like this. Pastoral life in Palestine flows on the same channels today as it did in the time of David and in the open region to the northeast of Jerusalem. The flocks are still taken down the rough and winding paths into the picturesque gorge, in the bed of which winds the silvery stream called Ain Faha. This is still the popular gathering place of the shepherds in the surrounding hill country of Judea and is generally accepted as the scene of King David's boyhood experiences in shepherd life, which in his riper age he calls and uses, recalls and uses in his 23rd Psalm to illustrate the father's protecting care over his people. To aid in portraying the scene, We will imagine ourselves going down to this valley. As we walk down some early morning when every blade of grass sparkles and dewdrops glisten on the mountainsides, we see the shepherds from the neighboring villages leading their flocks out in search of pasture. Near noon, we see the flocks on the hillsides making their way down the slopes toward the watering places in the valley. Here the flocks assemble, And after restoring their souls at the mid-bordered stream, they rest for a few hours in the shadow of a great rock while the shepherds gather in groups for their lively chats. After resting during the heat of the noon hours, the many flocks which have congregated separate as if by magic when each shepherd goes off in a different direction, calling his flock. Now, in the video we started the service with, the culling, each family has their own song. Each farm has their own song. So their sheep are up in in the mountains grazing during the day, mixing with the sheep from other farms. And when the shepherd comes out and begins to sing her song, The only sheep who come are hers. They recognize her voice. They recognize her song. And they come. 
Shepherds often call each other, each of their sheep, by a special name, which the sheep learn to know and which they res- to which they respond. That's my shepherd. That's my name. The large congregation of flocks has now broken up into several smaller groups moving slowly up the hill. The twinkling of the bells carried by one or more of the sheep in the flocks blends with the wild cadence of the shepherd's flutes as they wind their way toward their respective sheepfolds. Shepherds are always equipped with a rod or a staff or both, which are usually carried for protection against the attack of wild animals. If night overtakes the shepherd before he reaches the fold, he uses his staff as a sounding rod, striking the ground with it as he goes along, producing a ringing sound for which the tired sheep listen. For by it, they can follow in the path picked out for them by their shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, has picked out a path for us as well. And all that we have to do is choose to follow him. That path will lead us through the dangers of the wilderness. It will lead us to the waters that we need to drink and the fields where we will eat and rest. If we decide to take this path, we are assured that we will not walk it alone. Because the shepherd always goes before us. He carries a rod and a staff and he wards off danger. He guides us through the darkness and he makes sure that we will make it home. The shepherd metaphor is just one of many that tell us that if we lean on God, if we follow Jesus through life, then all of our needs will be met and all of our lives will be saved by him. Like my friend who cannot find comfort in worldly things that she already has, most of us are also worrying about something that we need right now. Most of us have health concerns, money concerns, employment concerns. We're dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and life and death issues. And Jesus tells us to follow him. He tells us that if we listen to his voice and follow the path that he has chosen for us and trust in him for all things, then we have nothing to fear in this life or in the next. Amen? It's very important for us to revisit this text on a regular basis so that we can continue to keep our priorities set on God and nothing else. And this is because there are so many things trying to convince us that they are stronger, more dependable, and more important than our Savior. The scripture is, again, encouraging us to stay with Jesus as we walk through life. Because he is the only truly good shepherd in the world. Amen? Amen. My shepherd, you supply my need. 
Gracious God, attend to me, my dear.